Greetings, friends, and welcome to the program. Sam Rajofsky here, Sam Nation, News Talk, AM 840, KXNT. Happy Sunday morning. Uh, it, of course, is a few hours later here in the Czech Republic where I am calling in from. Well, not calling in. I'm all hooked up here to the, to the machines, to the interwebs uh, plugged in from, uh, from Prague, uh, which is a, a beautiful uh, city. Uh, the capital of the Czech Republic. Uh, been a very nice weekend. Other than, and here's my here's my update. I, I those of you who've been following the program, you know that I was here to drop off my son, who started school uh, a week ago, about a week ago. He started on Tuesday, which also was his birthday. So the poor kid got to start school and turn 13 on the same day. And it's not just any school. It's a brand new school in a brand new country, uh, and and he's a little bit familiar with Czech because my parents, of course, are are from here, and uh, I've spoken a little bit of the language to him as he's been growing up, so he has some fluency. But uh, this has really been eye opening, uh, and I I couple of funny moments from all of this. So the the main thing is you got to understand when you're when you're an American kid growing up in the suburbs. You know, you have, you just, you live a very, a generally, I think, a pretty sheltered life. So you, uh, most of the time you carpool, maybe you have friends that take you to school, friends' parents, uh, your parents and whatnot. And and now for the first time in, in Daniel's life, he is having to take the bus to school, which is great. I'm loving it. And I took him. I took him on the first day, and I, I got to be honest with you, it was a it was a, it was a challenge for me uh, because there's a bus transfer. So you, the first bus from my uncle's house, my aunt and uncle are the ones uh, taking care of him this year. So from from his house, from their home, he has to walk down a hill, and then he has to get on one bus, and then there's a transfer in a in an intermodal type uh, bus hub. And there's so there's there's I don't know at any given time, especially in the morning, there are maybe 80 buses that are all converging in the same place and he has to transfer. And then from there, he has to go on and take another bus that takes him up the hill to where his school is. So I I mean, that's just one part of the experience that I think for a sheltered uh, boy of the burbs that this is a a. Uh, nothing but a fantastic experience. So that's that's part of this. Um, the the other part of it, of course, is that the whole class, all of it, is in Czech, and so it's a whole different. You know, I mean, it's one thing to to listen to a language at your grandparents' house and have your dad speak it uh, to you a little bit, but now to suddenly be dropped into school and and getting you know first day of school, second day of school instruction in a foreign language. I mean, what a what what an eye-opening experience. So he the first day, he he came out of school and he was just shell shocked. So he just got in my car. I picked him up. I took the bus. We took the bus there, but I picked him up. And he just he came to see me and he just said, "You know what? Just get me out of here." Like this was this was intense. <laughs> so we uh so we so he, you know, he survived the first day. But by the end of the week, by the end of the week, he was having a great time. He told me that on on Friday, I guess his his homeroom teacher 
uh, told the kids to all do an outline of their hands on a blank piece of paper and then sign it. So, you know, with their name. And then they passed them around the class and everyone had to write down a compliment for the person. And so Daniel's paper came back and it, it had a lot of words he couldn't read, but he, he could read the word handsome. So at least one girl wrote handsome in check, or maybe it was a boy, I don't know, but nonetheless, handsome. And then of course uh, he had four, I wanna get this right, I think four people wrote cute in English on the hand. So I have a feeling, I have a feeling my son's gonna be uh, in good hands. At the very least he'll have uh, some extra after hours uh, tutoring available to him on call uh so this this was um this was his first week and it was it was fun to watch him and and really fun to watch him grow in front of my my eyes so i left him on saturday uh, because this town where he's at is uh, about an hour and a half outside of prague and i i left him there with my aunt and uncle and and drove off and i, I don't know when i'm going to be back next i'll tell you it was a heavy moment I know it's tough for parents who have kids that go to college to have them leave and have them go and, uh, and, and you know, and, and, and start that thing at 18, 17, whatever the age is. Uh, and here I had to say goodbye, my wife and I goodbye to him at 13, uh, a little bit more, a little, a little earlier than we'd hoped. Uh, so it was, um, it was a heavy moment for, for me. And I told him, I said, I said, Daniel, you know, I, it's, you know, normally people give their kids up, uh, you know, five years from now, we're doing it five years early and, uh, and it's tough for us. And he said, well, do you regret it? And I said, of course I don't regret it. I, 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 because this is a good thing for you. And what, and, and this is the definition of love. And I, I explained to him how, you know, when you, when you love somebody, when you love a child and, and parents Parents all over this country know exactly what it is I'm talking about. When you love your kid, you know, you'll do what's right for them, even if it's really not the happiest thing for you to experience. And so as I drove away from, from the house, my, my uncle, my aunt and uncle's house, I mean, it was an emotional moment for me, uh, leaving my 13-year-old my behind in a in a in a European country and far away from home and being, you know, being at least we'll call it, you know, 18 hours of travel time away from him. But I also know that it's such a great opportunity for him. And, and in light of what all the insanity that's going on in schools right now, my, my daughters, 7 and 10, are in the midst of this lunacy, this online craziness of, of doing school, pretending to do school by Zoom. And let me tell you, if you don't have kids, you know what Zoom's all about. You've probably used it at work. And it's fine for work. Now, imagine you're doing a classroom. You've got 35 kids. They're all on Zoom. And they're kids. They're, you know, my daughter, my youngest, is seven. So they're, they're second graders. Uh, and they're expected to be on a Zoom for hours at a time. And they're expected to complete homework and submit them through portals. And I, I mean... And, and really what it is, is it's a tremendous amount of work for parents. Now, we're lucky. We are 
uh, fortunate that my wife does not work. She stays home, and her job are the kids, is the kids. And so they are her responsibility, and she has the time to give. But I think about parents, so many that I know, that are working, both parents are working, single-parent uh, wage-earning households where simply mom, dad, whomever is responsible primarily for the care uh, and well-being of their children is required to work during the day. And that to me right now, this is, this is why I think it's so crazy, is, it, is how, there, are, there are going to be so many millions of children that are affected by this. Uh, and I, I'm, I really think that the Czech Republic, even though they, they have rising COVID numbers and they, they, have, you know, they have a lot of the same concerns that we do, of course, about the spread of the disease, one thing they don't have is they don't have a presidential election coming up. So in, in many ways, they <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, of course, it's a factor. Of course, crisis is convenient in the world of politics. So we'll get to the, you know, we'll get to all the political stuff. I just wanted to catch you up on a little bit of what I have going on. And again, uh, Sam Rajovsky, Sam Nation here. We are uh, usually broadcasting live from Las Vegas, Nevada, but uh, this this week and last coming to you live from the Czech Republic. And it's always, certainly always a pleasure to be with you. So I, I will get into, yes, we'll talk about the election, the big news about Trump that dropped the other day, uh, the, the hit piece that came out uh, on Trump, and the interesting reaction to it. I've been observing it from afar and, uh, and going through the usual sources. I think there's, a, there's an interesting tell there. So at any rate, we'll get into all that when we come back. Uh, again, Sam Rajovsky, great to be here with you. Uh, News Talk AM 840 KXNT, back after this short break. You got hurt in an accident. Now you need the right lawyer to help you. Don't hire a do-nothing, no-call, no-show lawyer. We are Sam and Ash, and we are different. We've recovered over $400 million for our clients, and we promise to always call you back the same day. While no one can guarantee an outcome in your case, we have the experience to get you the results that you deserve. So call us at 702-820-1234. Or visit samandash.com. Because you deserve what's right. Welcome back. Sam Rajovsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Happy Sunday. I'm coming to you live from the Czech Republic. Usually, usually, folks, we're, we're right here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, well, right there, I'm used to saying here. But yeah, so I'm, I'm on the road and I'm, I'm returning tomorrow. So uh, next time we'll be back in the studio and everything will be uh, more or less normal. Now, uh, great. <laughs> Did you see this, by the way? Osama bin Laden's niece. Uh, she's a, uh, a a very beautiful woman. Apparently, does not share much of her uh, famous, infamous uncle's political as, uh, beliefs. She lives in Switzerland, but considers herself an American at heart. And she was interviewed here. Let's see by the uh, by the New York Post, I believe. And she she let them photograph her wearing a "Make America Great Again" hat. So this is uh, a lady named Noor bin Laden, Osama bin Laden's niece, and she is all in full MAGA. Now, the, the, reason, uh, the reason for this is that she has apparently 
uh, uh, some strongly held beliefs that, that it was the Obama-Biden administration that allowed ISIS to proliferate, and uh, Trump has shown that he protects America uh, and, by extension, uh, protects from foreign threats, obliterating terrorists at the root before they get a chance to strike. This is a direct quote from bin Laden, who is 33 years old. I just think it's really funny in these the lead-up always to these presidential elections that you have uh, different people who are, are always presumed right to have a certain opinion. Like you have the niece of Donald Trump who comes out with her book, and there is a presumption that by virtue of her affiliation right, with her family, her, her genetics, uh, her family tree, that she is supposed to have a certain allegiance uh, to the Trump family, but by virtue of her, uh, well, let's say not having that allegiance, right, and and coming out and speaking out against her famous presidential uncle now uh, seeking a second term in office, that by somehow her speaking out, she is brave. She's going against the family. She is uh, bucking bucking the the uh, I don't know the, ex- the expectation of of loyalty and such. And, 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 and in truth, and all of this, right, is hogwash. People have very different opinions from their uncles and their aunts and their nieces and nephews. I always tell people, think about your own family. Do you re- are you really on the same page with everyone in your family? Because I sure as heck am not. I'm close with some of my aunts and some of my uncles, extended family, cousins and such, and and some of them are, you know, frankly, idiots. Uh, and I still love them, but we don't, we don't share very many opinions. Uh, and, and in that sense, now imagine you add a layer of, I don't know, of, pol- of you put in a political filter to it. And you add, a, uh, you add an element to this that, is, that, that suddenly now puts, puts um, every, every, every disagreement, every problem you have with somebody is, is now uh, you know, is, is, is amplified uh, by, the, by, the, you know, by the political climate that, that exists. So I, I think in this sense, there was a, a piece put out by the Independent on Trump. And very interesting stuff. Basically, the gist of what the Independent is alleging is that four sources corroborated that Donald Trump made disparaging comments about military troops. And, you know, specifically... Uh, that he said at one point uh, going to the cemetery, a cemetery in Paris, uh, the Ain Marne uh, American Cemetery in 2018, uh, that he said, why should I go to that cemetery? It's filled with losers, quote-unquote. Now, the, the Trump's vehemently denying it, right? He says he never said it. And the Independent has four sources, that say that he did. Now, you'll remember part of the reason why this has, I, I, I mean, look, the, the opposition to Trump, the mainstream media, they are so desperate to get him that anything like this is just, it's fantastic for him. They're, it's fantastic for them to hear. So they're not going to necessarily look at it critically. But one of the things that they find I don't know, reassuring, I guess, would be the word of the credibility of this is the fact that, you know, once upon a time and 
uh, in the lead up to the 2016 election, uh, Trump had said that McCain, of course, you know, he, you know, war hero, he scoffed at it. He's not a war hero. He, he got captured. We like the guys that don't get captured. He actually, he said that, right? We know that he said it because he said it publicly. So the, the thinking, of course, is that this is more in line with what he, you know, with what he had, had previously said. Now, uh, I find one of the most interesting pieces here that the, that, you know, the New York Post, when they ran this story uh, back in 2015 about Trump saying these words about McCain, they, on the front page of the Post, was an article that said, to the effect, the, the headline, that Trump is toast. That these comments about McCain are just not, that no one can recover from them. Like, his campaign is done. And I'll, I'll remind you that that was, I think that was the consensus back then. That, that overwhelmingly, people believed that, that this that was it. He was done. Over. Finished. Never going to come back from it. And, well, that didn't happen, did it? Uh, and, um, and, and Trump didn't, of course, Trump doubled down on his comments. He never apologized for them, and he, he, was, he, was, he stood by them uh, to, the, to the very end. Uh, and and I, I, it's the, I think the most fascinating thing, I immediately turned, as soon as this news broke, I turned and, and waited for the New York Post to address this. And their coverage of this was extremely tepid. I found that very interesting, and I and I and I looked across. And of course, you know, CNN's running with it, and, and and the Washington Post, and even the Hill has covered it a bit and expressing concern. Uh, but you know, I, I, oh, the Drudge Report, yeah, the Drudge Report absolutely went bananas over this i uh, they they loved it he loves it you now of course is, is is rooting for biden i think uh, but i i in all of this what i do i believe it uh i i think uh, i think back to the conversation on family uh, i think that's relevant here I, I think that anybody who has has worked in a contentious professional environment knows that when you have people in your camp, they hear you a certain way. And when people are out of your camp, they hear you a different way. And I'm a lawyer and I've litigated complex matters where, where I'm required to go through what happened. And I wasn't there. I can't judge if a particular event occurred or not. I have to present the best evidence when I'm in court. And the way I go about doing that is taking depositions, doing discovery, and finding that evidence so I can later present it to the judge and get his permission or her permission to, to present it to the jury, right? And here, I, you know, one of the suspicions is that the main source for this was, was Kelly, uh, who uh, was his uh, chief of staff, excuse me, John Kelly, uh, who, of course, left after a tiff with Trump. And one of the things that occurs in work environments, and I've noticed it also in litigation, is when people are pissed at somebody, they remember things a certain way. They color their memory. I'm not saying they're lying, but I definitely am saying that certain events are remembered in their worst 
light. And it's very difficult to get truth, I mean the real truth, objective truth, about a certain event from people that despise the subject of the event. And I will tell you the number one, I guess the best thing about Trump and the worst thing about him too, is that he really has fired a lot of people in these first four years. And I'll get more into that later because I think that's an interesting discussion in and of itself. But here, the people that he's let go, I mean, they are furious with him, right? You've got, you've got John Bolton that to the last minute of him being in the White House was making rounds upon rounds of, of, of gracious interviews, talking up Trump, saying nice things about him. The minute he gets fired... You see those pictures of him stomping around, you know, after after he got he got let go and before he was escorted off the premises. And 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 then presto, he's writing a, a giant book about how awful Trump is. And I well, I, I it is a longer discussion. One of the reasons for this is and when you look at some of these terrible news stories that come out, I don't know what it was that Trump said. He maybe he made a joke. I mean, the guy, I, I, I don't know, but I definitely know that he loves the military. I, I know that for a fact. So I'm looking at this and I'm going, there might be a kernel of truth to it that got blown out of proportion by people who deep down from the beginning really loathed Trump for that original slight on John McCain. And I definitely think that John Kelly was one of those people. And, and the... the yeah, the thing is, is I spent my whole life growing up watching John McCain be a total political loser, <laughs> just a worthless waste of space in the Senate. And, uh, and, and, and you know, and, and what did we have to show for it? Uh, every time that he ran uh, for office, we were always reminded that he was a war hero. And uh, as, as, as laudable as something like that is, I think at the end of the day, you got to, you know, enough of it already. Uh, that that was a while ago. Matters here and now, and uh, and and again, his political record was was pretty much worthless. I'll get more into this. is so interesting because there's a reason these people are all so cranky, and it has to do with their fragility. Believe me on this. I know what I'm talking about. Sam Rajovsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Ash, what about those insurance ads with catchy jingles? And the lawyer commercials. The jingles might get stuck in your head, but they're designed to do one thing, distract you. Distract you from hiring the right professional team to represent you. Choose reputation over shtick. Sam and I are real personal injury attorneys who focus on you and your recovery. Call us anytime, 702-820-1234. Or visit samandash.com. Because you deserve what's right. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk AMA 40 KXNT. Welcome back uh, to the program. It's Sunday, of course, and uh, if I sound a little funny, it's because I'm coming to you live from the Czech Republic across the Atlantic Ocean. The Czech Republic is in the heart of Europe. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm in the heart of the Czech Republic, which is in Prague, and it's a beautiful city. If you ever have a chance to visit, uh, Prague is called the City of a Hundred Golden Spires, and it's true that if you get to a, a higher place or you're up on top of a building somewhere, you look across, and all you see are all these church and tower spires, and many of them gold-topped, you know, have gold leaf on, on the metalwork, and it's it's truly spectacular, especially early in the morning and and at sunset. So uh, a high recommend for uh, this beautiful country. One of the problems with being here this past week is that I have not been able to see any of these Knights games in person. Now, those of you in Las Vegas, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you outside and are, who are not into sports, I understand, but the Vegas Golden Knights... Uh, got through uh, a, an incredible Game 7 uh, yesterday against Vancouver, uh, against the Canucks, and they've advanced to the Western Conference Finals. I'll be playing the Dallas Stars. I, I'm just, I, it, was, it was apparently a great game, and I'm, I'm, I'm following it on Twitter. I can't see it anywhere here, uh, not even online, and it's all because of these st- stupid EU rules. Related to internet privacy, I I can't. There's a number of sites that I rely on in the states to you know back home to to follow what's going on in the news, and a lot of them aren't EU compliant. So they're just they they just say sorry, friend, uh, but we you know, but we can't we can't have our site be up in the European Union. So dealing with that horse crap, it's very frustrating. Okay, I promised you. I promised you, friends, uh, and by the way, Sam Rajovsky here, Sam Nation, uh, very happy to be with you. I'm, I'm, I promised you an analysis of all these traitors. Well, not traitors, but all these people who leave the White House uh, under Trump. And more so than other administrations, they, are ju- they just turn so bitter. And I, I've, I've wanted to analyze this. In greater depth for some time, and I'm going to attempt to get through this as a concept with you, uh, because I think it's I think it's important. I will tell you that when you deal with political types, people that have been in politics for years and years, have operated in and around Washington, they have a way of doing things. Okay. And their way of doing things is the way things are done. So when you have a president that gets elected, they're very used to having the kind of conversation with him, because they've all been met with him, and saying, Mr. President, here's how we do things. We do things like this. And what they expect the president to do, whether it's Bill Clinton, George Bush, or Barack Obama, They expect the president to say, I understand. I get it. Tell me what needs to be done, and we'll take care of it. What do you need me to sign? Right? To them, Trump is a disaster. He is a wrecking ball to their norms. And this is why, and I've, I've parsed through... Now, oh, I don't know, thousands of hours of uh, litanies of complaints against Trump. And one of the common reoccurring themes you'll always hear is that he doesn't listen. He doesn't listen. And the fact that he doesn't listen 
really, I you have to understand, this doesn't mean that he doesn't listen to them as in they come in and tell him, Russia is about to nuke us, Mr. President. Never mind, I've got to go golfing. That That's how we are led to believe that those conversations take place. But in reality, they're telling him how they need, how he needs to be doing things, and he's asking them why. And he's telling them, no, that doesn't make any sense. He's fighting back against these people. And I, I have this on good authority. You just trust me on this. That, <laughs> well, again, I'm reminding you, all these people, you know, Bolton included, I remember talking to Bolton at the Republican convention 2016, he was jockeying for a position with, with Trump in the event, in the unlikely event, right, that he would become president. And he was there, very gracious, uh, very, uh, very, uh, just had nothing but great things to say about Trump. And we had a, we had a, we had a great conversation, him and I. And, and, and lo and behold, he gets, he gets fired. And do you know why? I mean, the, again, I, the, many sources have all said the same thing. He was in there basically begging Trump to, to nuke Iran. I, I mean, nuke, I, I mean, that's the wrong word, but, but take out Iran. He said there was a, an opportunity to go in, to drop bombs, to, to do the whole nine yards and take Iran out. And, and, and apparently Trump said no. And in all of this, right, Trump, by the way, being very consistent, he ran on a platform of disengagement when it came to military interventions, right? He's not a military interventionist. He's a military interventionist, I suppose, only as a last resort. And and if anything, uh, you know, he, he, he came into the White House to stop endless wars. And he saw that opening up another front in Iran would be uh, would be would be expensive and, of course, would also be. A, a more than likely a very lengthy entanglement, very costly to lives. And he's repeatedly said that, uh, which again uh, flies in the face of these comments that he allegedly said that he doesn't want to go visit dead soldiers because, you know, they're the ones that, that perished in the war. They're not, the, they're not the, the winners that came home by implication, whatever it meant, right? But this is what happened with Bolton. You've got to understand. So the, the, you read the book, right? You read the book and you read what Bolton writes. And, and, and it, you know, of course, and Bolton was a meticulous note taker. You know, he had those yellow pads and he was the one taking notes in every meeting. Uh, which, of course, is fine and dandy. But if you've got an axe to grind or if you're coming in there to CYA, you're going to write your notes in a certain way. This is like when you send your kid to school and tell him uh, to take notes of what the teacher said. Uh, and, and again, depending on the kid, you, you come home with, you know, certainly some kids come down with the tra- come back with a transcript. But most don't. They hear what they want to hear. And the guy that wanted to push the nuclear button, the guy, Bolton, that wanted to just, he wanted this fight with Iran and he wanted the fight with North Korea. And he repeatedly was facing a boss that he came to loathe for his refusal to engage militarily with these two adversary countries, uh, you know, began, I'm sure, to write notes that were very much colored by that experience. And and this is just something that I don't think we we really realize. Most people read, read a headline or they'll watch, you know, 20 minutes of MSNBC 
and they hear a statement about Trump, and they hear that the statement is backed up by another statement from an inside source. But I'm telling you, there are, there's a trail of tears of people that have been, I suppose that's a bad expression, but there's just a, a bunch of people that are very unhappy that Trump didn't listen to them. They're the experts. They're the insiders. They're the people that know best. And tr Trump's just a, a buffoon, right? I mean, he's just an idiot. He's, well, he's you know, a rich kid, you know, born rich and, uh, and, a, and a real estate developer. What the hell does he know? And so you have basically this, 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 this group of people that already are coming to the table with a, with a massive superiority complex. And the problem is, is that these people, these technocrats inside of our government have been screwing things up royally for decades. And Trump got elected on the promise that he was going to do something about this. So taking the tweets aside, I'm always interested in judging things on their, on their substance, right? And I'm, I'm curious about how things work. And I, 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 I for one, uh, definitely, I, I appreciate people who are strong enough to look a very strong person like John Bolton, for example, in the eyes and say no. Because coming from a place of principle for Trump, and I know this is a hard thing for some people to understand, and certainly mainstream media, but he, he, he has been uh, arguably one of the most consistent presidents in my lifetime, consequentially consistent in the sense that he came in and promised certain things and, and has, has stuck to it. At no time has he wavered. Now, did he get a wall built? Certainly not, but he, not for a lack of trying. Uh, and certainly fighting a, you know, a Congress made up of, of buffoons, whether they be Democrats or Republicans. So these things are very interesting to me. And I, but you've got to understand, these are the smart kids, right? These are the Ivy League educated, ivory tower guys and gals who think they know everything. They're the James Comeys of the world, right? They are the are the Brennans, right? And the and and all the and, and the Kellys, and they think that they've got it all figured out. They have served multiple presidents, and they have the imprimus of being the best and the brightest and most experienced and most worthy to be the caretakers of this republic. And yet, my friends, the caretakers of this republic are not these guys. They're you and I. We're the caretakers of this country. We're the people uh, whose vote matters. And we voted somebody in, and, and, and we want that person to, to be able to stand up to these guys. And trust me, hey, I, I mean, I watched it under Clinton as a teenager. I saw it uh, with W, uh, with George Bush, uh, the second. And, and certainly even with Obama, Obama came in uh, with some very radical ideas, listened to some of the people inside the Beltway, and, and, and actually became arguably less radical than he even promised in the election. Uh, but it, there's just, it, it, there's always, these guys always end up listening to the insiders, and they get rewarded with nice words. Well, we don't want a president who likes to get rewarded with nice words. Well, we want somebody who gets things done. All right, don't go anywhere. Sam Rojofsky, Sam Nation, here on Talk Radio, uh, AMA 40, KXNT.
If you've been injured in an accident, you need the right team on your side. Ashley is a former insurance defense attorney who knows the insurance industry's playbook. And Sam is an experienced high-stakes negotiator for accident victims and their families. At Sam and Ash, our sole focus is on you, your recovery, and getting you the best possible settlement in the least amount of time. Call us day or night at 702-820-1234 or visit samandash.com. Because you deserve what's right. All right, Sam Rajovsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Happy Sunday, friends. Coming to you live from the Czech Republic, from Prague. Beautiful city, great place, lovely people. Uh, what are we know? We're, we've got good beer here. Uh, good beer, great, uh, great. of course, beautiful buildings, castles, uh, museums, uh, so forth and so on. Uh, also, there is a... A very famous Czech liquor called Bekarovka, and they actually make it in a town in in western Bohemia called Karlovivari, uh, which is where my son is uh, doing school here, and that's why I am here uh, this week dropping him off. Dropped him off uh, yesterday, uh, left him there, and um, of course, it's just been a been a whirlwind of a of a weekend uh, and of a trip. So coming back. Uh, coming back on Monday, very excited to get home and back into a, a regular routine. At any rate, at any rate, I have a lot of people, uh, a lot of people have been asking me about COVID in Europe. Because I think it's like, what are they doing here that we're not doing? And, and what are, what are, what are, you know, what should we be doing and all this good stuff? So interesting observation is that COVID really here seems to be driven uh, mostly, I don't, it's mostly driven by attitude. And and the Czechs were forced, right, at, at early on to have mandatory masks. And they had those, I think, for about two months, three months. And and then cases dropped off and, and they just decided, I mean, this is for me asking around and talking to friends and family, they just decided they were done with it. They were tired of it. They also kept like we did. I mean, they had a they had a full shutdown, uh, so there was no school. Schools did start to reopen toward the end of the school year, but it's. I mean, they're very candid about it. They've acknowledged that the kids just didn't learn anything last year. Even trying to do some stuff online and remotely, it just it just didn't work. And so they've they've restarted schools right now. Uh, they have an uptick of cases, and it comes from people traveling around Europe, going down to Croatia, going to Italy, uh, moving around, you know, going to France and Germany, just traveling within Europe. Um, and, and, and I think it's, you know, but I, again, there's, as of today, I think there's only maybe 60 or less people in intensive care in the entire country. And and I, I do think one of the one of the things that we keep talking about is is here they are not counting they're separating because of COVID, and with COVID. And so a lot of a lot of cases I heard about somebody who had tested positive the consequence of going in uh, for a gallbladder operation. Somebody goes in for a basic you know straightforward operation gets tested as part of. Uh, your in, intake procedures at a hospital finds out that they've got COVID, and and, 
And then the complications that ensue, you know, again, this person that I know didn't have any complications, but if they're in the States, a lot of hospitals, and this is part of the problem, right? They're, they're saying that if, if somebody dies in the hospital because they had a complication from a, you know, from a, 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 again, I'll go with the example, the gallbladder surgery, they will list as a cause of death on their COVID. And, and it's for a variety of reasons, including financial reasons. We know hospitals get federal funds uh, from COVID patients for the care of COVID patients. And so they're incentivized to report, to over-report those deaths in those, those cases. So one of the things that just doesn't happen here is they're not, they're not over-reporting uh, these incidents. And, and the other thing is, just add, like I said earlier, it's attitudinal. Checks are very, well, they're stubborn. They're a bit independent. They don't like to be told what to do. I think, you know, I think they were, uh, for the most part, not very reliable uh, to either the Nazis or the communists. There's definitely an independent streak here. Gosh knows. Well, I wonder where I got it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, they, they are. And, and to them, they don't like to be told what to do. So currently, and, and I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show, too, they don't. They don't have a major presidential election. There is an election coming up for, uh, for the. Uh, there are there are some elections, national elections coming up for parliament. But one of the things too to note is there, the parties that are running are all talking about how they won't make masks mandatory. It's funny how Joe Biden thinks it's a selling point uh, to be pro mask. And he's decided that that's going to be his his deal, right? He's decidedly going to be pro-mask. And here, the major political party that wants to keep all of its seats and and wants to remain in power, they are running basically on the promise they are not going to bring masks back. And they've directed the Ministry of Education to keep schools open and actually allow principals to decide individually what's right for their individual school. So I think that's that's kind of, um, I don't know. I like it. I think that's that's a reasonable approach. And I always thought that these statewide uh, gubernatorial edicts that are coming down from Governor Sisolak and are coming down from other governors uh, like Newsom in California are unhelpful because they're not county-specific. And they're oftentimes based on I mean, even within counties, you've got a county, for example, there are counties in California like L.A. County that are basically almost as big as this whole country that I'm in currently. Think about that. L.A. County, you know, almost as big as the Czech Republic. And when you join it together with, let's say, Orange County or look at Southern California, Southern California is larger in population than the Czech Republic. And, I, and, and so and here they're handling things very much down to basically a city level because it does matter. You know, places like Prague have a higher number of incidents than uh, places in the countryside and so forth. So this is how they're handling COVID. My arrival, I think I mentioned last week, coming here, again, I came on, a, on my European passport. So um, I was allowed to enter the country. And one of the things that uh, was very interesting is they – they really didn't have a lot of screening at the airport. Uh, they 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 knew I was arriving from the states. I'd had a COVID test. I needed to take one upon arrival, uh, but it wasn't you know it, w- it wasn't any any really anything particularly draconian. 
And I think a lot of people back uh, home, they talk a lot about the European model. You know, they close the country. They close the borders. Suddenly, I have many of my Democratic friends very interested about closing borders, which I love. Um, it, it, it certainly inspires other topics. But uh, I, I'm just – but really what, what happened here is they allowed the, the, the local – they're dealing with things on a far more local level. And I don't know. I think it's I, I think there's still a lot more about this disease that we, we don't know. There are a lot of people that have it here. They just are not ending up in the hospital. They're largely asymptomatic. Uh, and so, you know, fingers crossed it doesn't it doesn't grow. I've got my son here. I'm obviously very invested in, in this country staying open and staying healthy. And I, I hope uh, things continue to improve as they seem to be uh, back home. So that's the that's the update on that. All right. Well, it's it always goes fast this time together. I I know. Well, we will we'll get more into the election when I get settled back in the in the in, in HQ at headquarters in Las Vegas when I come home. I'm 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 traveling. I've got to fly to Frankfurt and then from Frankfurt I I got to fly to LA. There's very few flights obviously between here and LAX. Uh, excuse me, and 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 L, yeah, because I've got to fly to LAX and then fly to Nevada, so it's it's just brutal. Um, but I'm I'm excited to get back and and excited to get back to the office, and I've just, I just I miss miss my other kids and and Sherry, so I'm I'm looking forward to doing all of that. Um, so again, just as a as a reminder, you can always catch the program on Stitcher, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, TuneIn. You can reach me, Sam at samnation.com uh, that's my email and uh, and I, I'm always happy to hear from you good or bad so please uh, give me a give me a ring all right have a wonderful rest of your weekend have a terrific and safe Labor Day tomorrow uh, I, I'm really uh, I'm excited to to see everybody and get back uh, get back and, and be back in town all right have a good one <laughs>